Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Father. We praise you for the days that we are in right now. And we thank you also, Father, for every opportunity that you give to us as a gift. We may not perceive it as a gift as it's occurring, but when we look back on the things that have happened to us, the various perhaps chastening or um, lessons that we've been taught over the years, we just praise you, Father, whether it was a refiner's fire moment or whatever the dynamic was in our lives. We just want to praise your holy name and thank you, Father, for bringing us through it. Many of us are going through struggles and trials and tribulations and ongoing uh, challenges in our walk. And I have some, in fact, myself, Father, and I just want to praise you for in advance, knowing that through faith um, and in accordance with what the promises that Jesus gave us in the scriptures in John 13, sorry, 14, 12, 13, and 14, and also Mark 11, uh, 23, uh, and many other places in the scripture, Father God, I'm just going to praise you and all of us should just lift you up and magnify your name and praise you in advance for the things that we already know that you're going to give us. We may not see them happening anytime soon. There may be a delay, and there will, it will be for holy reasons that there is a delay. And it may be something that you want us to learn, a lesson that you want us to learn uh, via a test that requires us to put discipline and effort forth in order to be in compliance with your word and in order to be uh, in synergy with the, the presence of your spirit in our lives through obedience we need to many of us need to you know work on things that are that are a part of our personalities attributes that lead to certain behaviors that are certainly not in some cases in alignment with your will and we need that discipline we need that being taken behind the barn at times to uh, bring us uh, you know in alignment with your will and also on a steady course a straight path as it says in Proverbs 3 5 uh, you know in and 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 following that narrow uh, path to your glory and your righteousness and father we continue to lift ourselves up before you and we pray in the name of Jesus that you will pour out a supernatural anointing of your love upon us that we will fall absolutely head over heels in love with you for we understand that this is our greatest commandment and we and many of us fall short of this if we didn't fall short of it, we it's you know it may be because we have a, a, a ill-begotten understanding of what that actually means. The significance of to be utterly and gushingly in love with you, Father God, uh, to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, is very difficult for us, particularly in this day and age, to understand and be able to embrace. But and and especially alongside of the requirement to appropriately fear you. Many people misunderstand the term to fear you, Father, and they simply say, well, it's really intended to be an awe, uh, a type of awe, you know, that we're supposed to be awestruck, and then that fear is just, a, you, know, awe, you know, we're awed by you. But in reality, Jesus was very clear that the reason why, we, you know, as he said, fear him, fear him who has the ability to throw soul and body into hell. So we understand clearly, Father God, that if that if if it isn't for your help, if it 
isn't for your righteousness, if it isn't for our discipleship, the root word being discipline, if it wasn't, isn't for the effort that we put forth, uh, is if it wasn't for the help that we beseech you for, if it wasn't for the continuous uh, um, uh, Luke 18 persistent widow prayers that we uh, hold up before your supreme courts of heaven and, and seeking you, Lord Jesus, even though we make mistakes sometimes repetitively, uh, we pray for your continued work and mercy upon us and Lord Jesus your continued advocacy on our behalf and we we lift ourselves up before you and we pray that you will pour out your love upon us that it would overflow our cups that we fall head over heels in love with you that we have true godly sorrow and that true godly sorrow as the scripture says leads us to true repentance which means essentially that we don't want to hurt your feelings, Father, because that's how much we love you. We know that we, when we slip, when we fall, when we become self-centered, when we are utterly concerned about ourselves, when we uh, are down on ourselves, when when uh, you know when we go through a, an emotional period where uh, you know we we think to ourselves, well, you know, this is between me and myself, but we forget that we were bought and paid for at a very high price, and we. We have that responsibility to continue to try and we lift up uh, again ourselves before your throne father god and lord jesus and we ask you for additional mercy incredible outpouring of grace upon us each of us as we struggle and strive to deal with the things that we know are not exactly as they ought to be in our walk and we pray as we struggle with each one of those things that you will continue to reveal additional uh behaviors attributes associated with our personality how we think how we understand the scripture how we behave throughout the day, uh, the, the, uh, the intensity of our dedication to you, the, um, or lack of intensity of our dedication to you, whatever it is that is out of alignment with the perfect will of you, Father, we pray that you will help us through an anointing of your Holy Spirit, through a supernatural touch of strength that we are requesting before your throne so that we will not be left behind on the first barley harvest, on the first harvest, Father God. We pray in the name of Jesus not just to be not as Jesus not only to to be uh to to ask um uh as Luke 21:36 says to be um to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth but father not so much that as it is that we pray that you give us the strength that we need to so that we are in alignment with your will we are always walking and striving for holiness and righteousness we are able to hear your voice and that we are at least eligible to be considered to be part of you know the, the the, the purest, if you will, the most pure of your uh, bride, and and make that barley harvest, uh, you know. But not because we're sitting around hoping to, or not because we're, uh, you know, doing a really good job, uh, uh, you know, of uh, of complying with your word, but because we, we because out of love we are actually. Be, we have changed, and the renewing of our mind has maybe never come, becomes utterly complete, but comes to a, a place where we are um, dwelling in our walk in a continued state of being very close to First John three seven. For he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, our Lord Jesus, is righteous. We know that we will never achieve it. We know that it, that our sin is always before us. We know that we will probably slip and fall and make many of the same mistakes over and over again, and we pray for the, uh, an, um, an amazing, abundant grace to be poured out upon each of us as we strive and continue to ask
ask you, Father, to forgive us, to confess continuously of the sins that some of them that we repeat over and over again as we struggle to come to that new place uh, in our practices of making the throne room thrilled, uh, if it is at all possible, with our behavior as we seek you. Just as you sent the angel down to Daniel, we pray that you, that, it, that if, if an angel were to appear before any of us, that the angel would say similar things to each of us, uh, even though we saw that Daniel, and, and Daniel, uh, I believe it is chapter 9, verse 25, we see Daniel confessing of his sins before you, Father God. The angel, when it did finally make it past the Prince of Persia, came upon Daniel and said, Oh, beloved of the Lord Daniel. And we pray, Father God, in our struggles, even though we are imperfect and we will re- remain imperfect until that day that we are made perfect before and hopefully standing directly before our Lord Jesus, transformed into essentially light beings and minor gods. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to serve you. We continue to ask you for that outpouring of strength. We continue to ask uh, ask you, Father God, for uh, all the, the the changes that are necessary in our lives, the, the renewing of our mind, the adjustment of our life situations. We pray, Lord, for the for you for that not only for your grace. We thank you for the thorn in the flesh. We thank you for the thorn in the flesh were as it as it did for the apostle paul uh keeping him humble and contrite before you and on his knees before you and prevented him from becoming puffed up we praise you father god for those those things that are in our life that prevent us from becoming puffed up or, or overly assured or overly confident that we have made it let us always be reminded through your chastening and your holy uh refiner's fire that we are not worthy that we need that hot coal of the cherubim to be touched upon our lips uh, uh you know to 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 you know because we are truly undone because we know that we are unworthy and we and we and and we continuously seek you with that contrite spirit but at the same time father we pray that we come to a place where we are walking in that window that window of of your true love appreciation where if you were indeed to send an angel into our presence that angel would say oh beloved of the father even though that we know that we are imperfect we will continue in promise, Father God, no matter what, no matter how difficult the days become, no matter how upset uh, our lives are tipped over, that apple cart of our lives is tipped over, no matter how um, un- uncomfortable our futures may ultimately uh, become, uh, you know, Father, we promise that we will continue to dust ourselves off. We will not give up. We, we will continue to seek you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. Father, let us fall in love with you over Fill our cups, flow our cups over with the love of you from the kingdom as an anointed gift that we are so utterly motivated to be in your presence that we automatically dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Even as we go through our daily uh, struggles and trials, uh, we pray that that will be a normal normal, uh, uh, part of our walk, that we are constantly residing in that secret place, constantly self-examining, constantly judging ourselves, as it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 31, and 32, constantly seeking you, Father God, because we love you, and constantly having godly sorrow to help drive us forward out, out of, out of um, uh, our adoration for you, the throne room, the greatness, and indeed the off, aw- awesomeness of all the things that you have offered us through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, and th- for all of eternity. We pray, Father, that our, you know, when, when the 
balances are weighed against us. When 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13, 14, and 15, uh, when our works are tested by fire of what sort they are, we pray in the name of Jesus that our rewards far out exceed uh, those losses that we might have to accept and certainly will to, you know, accept when the, our entire lives are weighed and, and tested by that fire. But we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that at the end, uh, at the end of that period, at that, at that uh, Bemis judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we have made you happy, that you are blessed to have us be part of your kingdom, and that we will indeed be invited to stand glorious and in, in your presence beside our Lord Jesus for now, uh, because we praise you and we thank you for Jude, I believe it's uh, Jude 24, now to him who is able able to keep us from stumbling our Lord Jesus and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, in that incredible throne room, which we can only imagine what it's like. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Father, we also ask you, do not delay. We know our time is running short. We cannot quantify what short means, quantify what soon means. We cannot quantify what imminent means. And we have no idea whatsoever how long we will have here on this earth. And all of our perceptions of what is long time or short time will certainly be different. And Father, we just pray that our walk pleases you and that you will continue to gift us with your mercy, your grace, and the power that we need to overcome through perseverance and seeking you with endless prayer and praise. We praise you, Father, for the answer to these prayers. We ask you, as Daniel did in Daniel chapter 9, please, Father, do not delay. Answer these prayers that we may bless you and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Answer them quickly, Father, we pray, that we may stand in your presence in the throne room beside our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Tonight is February the 11th of 2022, the 10th of Adar, 157.82. Uh, the next holiday is Purim Katan, which is February the 15th of 2022. The time now is 7.18 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And boy, oh boy, are we ever acting like Babylon right now with, our, with uh, this uh, uh, country and the depth of the evil that is running this country. Regardless of the remnant uh, small a percentage of those who came to this country for religious freedom, uh, those who are uh, fully um, um, in, imbued with the depth of understanding of the, of the true origins of the United States, understand that as part of the Virginia Company, and uh, and with an analysis of the uh, original founding fathers of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, we understand very quickly that we were dealing with Masons. Uh, we are dealing dealing with many uh, what's known as Jacobins. Uh, Jacobins uh, is another pronunciation of it, and we understand that there are a lot of evil and satanic foundations associated with the establishment of this country. We understand also that this country is behaving precisely as Babylon did during its time on Earth under the rule of. Nebuchadnezzar, and that at that time, under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Babylon uh, was a conquering country. It controlled countries. It um 
took them over. Uh, it controlled them from afar. It controlled them uh, indirectly like it did in, when it took over Israel uh, during the Babylonian captivity, which was the whole reason why Daniel sought uh, it, it, through the 21-day fast the answer to the end of the, uh, when the end of the Babylonian captivity would be. And here we see Father God once again, not only the spreading of all kinds of sick, twisted, and evil things that, that this country is guilty of spreading across the earth without itemizing those things. It's so uh, absolutely Absolutely in your face right now. Uh, ne- never mind the um, uh, the the. the um, what would you call it? Um, uh, rainbow colors that were shined on the White House during the Obama Antichrist administration. Uh, I'm sure we'll see more of that. Uh, the uh, these various entities and uh, confused and most sadly unfortunate people that are what they refer to as LGBT that are running the government right now. Um, the, the this entity that more and more people are awakening and seeing actual visual evidence of this reptilian being that refers to itself as Biden. Um, and uh, it's, it's very nauseous to many of us. It's sickening to even come to that realization. Father, we, 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 we love our brothers and sisters that have a special place in their heart for this country, and they love this country for whatever reasons they you know have feel in their heart. Usually, uh, the folks that are you know persuaded to have such a deep love for this country are oftentimes um, very focused on um, you know their experiences. Many of them come from the World War II generation or very or post World War II generation, and they're well into their 60s and early 70s, and they they remember when they were brought up in in their schools, you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and they were taught uh, they were taught in their schools, you know, patriotism, and and there were seasons of this country's existence where the predominant belief system was clearly, praise you, Father, was clearly, uh, you know, what appeared to be to, uh, to the vast majority of people living here uh, to be in essentially a Christian country. Uh, and yes, it has sponsored an awful lot of mission trips, but certainly not is it a model society for uh, praising your holy name, Father God, and exhibiting the power through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church anymore. That has all diminished and gone away. Uh, there's rem- there's tiny remnants or or, or itty bitty you know indications of it in a few churches that are out there, but most people that believe their churches are full of the Holy Spirit have never seen one that really was. Um, Father, we praise you for the days that we are in. We see this as a fulfillment of the Smith Wigglesworth prophecy that we would come to a time that people would not even be able to receive um, uh, divine healing on account of that the faith would be so washed away. And in fact, Lord Jesus, it was you that. Uh, had implied and suggested that perhaps upon your return there would be no faith left on the earth, Uh, not just narrowing it down to this country. But, Father, we see this country attacking and poking the bear, the great bear from the north. We know that there have been many evangelical and uh, anointed teachings uh, back as far as 1969 when the war with Russia was released by Brother Jack Van Empey, who we know is in your presence right now. And, Father, we are in a holy and righteous way. 
kind of jealous and we wish that we were with him. But that's jealousy that is associated with our desire to be in your presence and, and our the hunger and thirst that we have to be in glory uh, and, and, and keeping our mind stayed on things uh, above Colossians 3, 2 and not on things of this world and not being friends with the earth uh, and ultimately at enmity with you, Father God, as we are warned about in the book of James. We never want to be hungering and thirsting for promotions, hungering and thirsting for new automobiles, hungering and thirsting for things of this earth. We want to always keep our hearts and minds uh, you know, in, in, in alignment with our priorities, in alignment with, with that which you have admonished us through your word, that we may be, make ourselves poor, make ourselves last, seek ye first the kingdom, uh, you know, give and seed into the kingdom as our priorities, uh, uh, you know, prior to, you know, making investments into our own selves, uh, you know, and always looking for that opportunity to change somebody's life by reminding them that it was your gift, Lord Jesus, to us that even allowed us to be able to give and seed into the kingdom, to feed the poor and to touch other people's lives in the way that we have been so blessed to be able to do in some cases. And Father, we just praise you for that opportunity. We thank you for these days that we are in right now. May we abide by that which you, Lord Jesus, admonished the the Apostle Peter um, uh, when you said, if you love me, feed my sheep. We pray for an anointing to come upon each of us that you will put in front of us, uh, whether it be now or in the imminent future, as things begin to change and the darkness continues to rise up. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that we will all be used in a mighty way to touch and feed your sheep, whether that be through showing of love, uh, through uh, giving of money, cash to people that are down and out in the streets and reminding them that this is a gift from Jesus, because we would not even have it if it wasn't a gift from Jesus, and we certainly wouldn't have the love in our heart to, and desire to be giving that, giving our money to people that are less fortunate if it wasn't for the uh, grace and the anointing and power and holy righteousness and love and compassion of our Lord Jesus that is within us. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We glorify you, Father God, and we thank you for this opportunity to be able to serve you, and we ask you for whatever it takes, whatever strengthening that we need, Whatever redirection of our path, whatever uh, reconditioning of our mind, renewing of our mind, whatever it is that that we need to change in our lives, we pray that with your help, Father, and we pray now, we pray for, 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 for you not to delay to bring us to that place in our walk there where we can reach us uh, a steady state a steady state and not go three steps forward and four steps backwards sometimes, but more of a steady state where we are continuously abiding in that secret place of the most high with your help, with your strength. We pray for that. We know that the devil does not want us to achieve that, that, that steady state. And we are asking you father for anointing upon us for the assignment of angels upon us and our families for the assignment of angels to blockade any attacks indirect against us through our jobs or whatever attack vector that that, that the uh, darkness may use to, to knock us off that uh, our, our our ability to achieve that steady state to be in continuous and strong spiritual warfare prayer uh, and abiding in the secret place of the Most High as you would have us do every day of our walk until the day that we are delivered from this very challenging place and we just praise your holy name and thank you Jesus Hallelujah again. Tonight is 
February the 11th, and we light together the Sabbath candles. I like the or the Shabbat candles if you prefer, or whatever. And you can do it on any day of the week, or you can do it there if you don't want to, if you understand what the meaning of Romans 14. But tonight we light three. I like to light three candles: one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit, the All Forgotten God. And I never forget you. I never forget you, Holy Spirit. And we praise. Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity once again to come together and lift you up in prayer and to seek you in holiness, righteousness, purity, and through the use of our understanding of our current understanding of the best possible tactical prayer methodologies. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that souls will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. Aruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabak kodsho v'yav in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh, zechelitziat mitraim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh Father, Father, we recognize that Babylon the Great, the United States of America, is now doing precisely what the ancient Babylon did in the Ukraine and against Russia. We also understand that there are many prophecies that perhaps were anointed, many teachings that were perhaps anointed, and we recognize the darkness, the uh, intentional um, thrust of aggressive behaviors that Babylon is launching directly against Russia, provoking the necessity uh, as Putin would see it, of building a land buffer by acquiring land in the Ukraine, ultimately in Turkey, and ultimately in Belarus, and most likely perhaps one of the, uh, uh, the, the states, as perhaps like Finland or Norway, or any of those in the northern parts which border on Russia. But, but nevertheless, we understand why Russia is doing this. They are being threatened by THAAD missile systems that are nuclear capable and launch SM-3 missiles. 
We understand that without that land buffer between Moscow uh, and these THAAD missile systems, uh, Moscow would be easily reached by tactical nukes uh, launched from these THAAD missile systems if, if it was chosen to do so. So they would see these as an immediate nuclear threat against Moscow, which is indeed what the darkness is intending to do, what our version of Nebuchadnezzar is doing to Russia, which is, as we know or believe in our hearts, Obama, the Antichrist, who is the puppet master and handler of the reptilian being that calls itself Biden. There is no doubt in any of our hearts or minds that that is exactly what that entity is. We do not know how many more of these terrors inhabit the White House at this time. We understand how deep the sin is and how filthy uh, the governance of this country has become. We know that there are some good people that are sprinkled throughout the population of the lawmakers here. But at the same time, Father, we see what appears to be the uprising of a black swan event, which is a type of an intentional reverse false flag that would um, hinder the ability of the midterm elections to move forward. This was predicted by General Wesley Clark. Father, we do not know if this will be an, a successful endeavor on behalf of Babylon. We know that they are putting full effort forth and they are antagonizing Russia on a level that we, this world has never seen occur in any pre-war situation in the history of its existence. There has never once, not once, not World War I, World War II, not once has there been a situation where one superpower in intentionally antagonized and put words in the mouth and threatened and said things that they did say to provoke the, to a level that is of a magnitude that very few would have the ability to resist. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the days that we are in right now. And if it is your will, if it is your will that this progress forward into a war or the beginning of a World War III dynamic, whether or not it simply turns into an iterative land grab for the area of the Ukraine as a land buffer from the THAAD SM-3 missiles, or if it uh, escalates and becomes something much worse. Father, we pray that your will be done. We've never, ever, ever want to find ourselves in a place where we are praying, Father God, for our own safety. Instead, we are a living sacrifice. We pray holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. May we carry our cross to our own Golgotha in love and peace as we lay down our lives for the salvation of perhaps just one more soul. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to live in this day, and we pray that if it is your will that, that World War III uh, begin as a result of this provocation, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that, that, uh, that your will be done, your will be done. May you, Father God, be blessed, anointed, because we understand the magnitude of what this means to the throne room. We praise you because we understand what our scriptures tell us in Isaiah 26, I believe it's verse 9, where it says, um, 
when your when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And we understand that that really equates to there is no such thing as an alien in a foxhole. So many people who ignore you, Father, many people who ignore you, Lord Jesus, many people who are not even believers at all, may find themselves crying out to you in the midst of missiles exploding and such around them and in their local homes. And as a result, as it says in uh, Acts 2, verse uh, 21, all those who call out upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke, and all those who call out upon the name of the Lord will be saved, which of course is from Joel 2. Father, we praise you for these days. We thank you and we pray more than anything that your will is done. If it is your choice to move forward with the end times judgments, even if they are a horrific thing for us to go through, even if it kind of scares us an awful lot and puts us on our knees continuously, as we ought to be anyway. Father, we just give you all the glory and the praise. We pray in the name of Jesus that your will is done. We we uh, do not pray against uh, anything, any horrific event that is teed up in the Bible, that is teed up by your servants, the prophets, that is teed up and in a queue to occur in the next in the days ahead. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that these things will be made manifest, that you're, we know that your, your word will not come up void. We praise you for that, and we ask in Jesus' name before the high, holy, supreme courts of heaven that if these things are your will, that your will shall be done. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up every single person who lives in the in the air in these particular areas, just in case Babylon the Great is successful at at provoking Russia into a full uh, land grab, uh, you know, uh, incursion, a type of a blitzkrieg. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for every single soul, every mom, every dad, every child, every person in the land of the Ukraine. Every person in the surrounding lands of uh, Donbass, in the surrounding lands of Belarus, as the salvos are flying across the borders. Father, we ask you to send down legions of anointed angels in the name of Jesus. Father, we are asking you in Jesus' name to send these angels into the spiritual realm and have them stand by the sides of the victims that would naturally be uh, what some would refer to as uh, collateral damage. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your angels will stand in the spiritual realm by their side. If these things are to come to pass, that your angels will stand by their side in the spiritual realm, where typically many of them would be uh, met with the demons of darkness to take them to the pit. Father, we ask you instead, by your mercy and grace and by the our understanding of ourselves as a royal priesthood before your throne we ask you father to forgive the people you know based upon the assumption that these things might happen and should they we pray in the name of Jesus that you will forgive each one of these people of their sins as a royal priesthood first peter 2 9 we lift up each one of them we pray father that you will forgive them each for, for all of their sins we confess of their sins as Daniel did on behalf of himself and all of Israel we confess of their sins as as uh, as um, uh, Nehemiah did in chapter 1 verse 6 on behalf of himself and all of Israel we confess of their sins as 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 uh, w- would be the case if we were part of the Levitical priesthood and we are now a part of the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ and we pray that you will break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees purify them father God in accordance with our prayers before your throne room in advance 
And Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the assignment of specialized angels, angels on assignment that would be standing by, at, you know, as guardian angels at their side in the spiritual realm to block the demons of darkness from taking them to the pit. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that anyone who suffers collateral damage, any of the children, any of the moms, any of the dads, any of the villagers across those lands on either side of the border, in the name of Jesus, any of the soldiers that are... Uh, being drugged into this almost certainly against their will. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for each one of them, and we ask you to assign angels into the spiritual realm to intercept the demons of darkness from being able to latch on to them if they were to pass away. We ask you, Father God, for those demons of darkness to be cut into pieces in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus by warrior angels that stand guard on behalf of each of these, and we pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you would take them before your throne room, allow them to see the glory and the compassion and love of the tears of the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ before your throne and, and allow each one of them an opportunity before your throne, Father, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would not be cast into the pit. We pray in the name of Jesus that these angels will stand guard for anyone, anyone, Father God, across all of these lands, that, that your will be done because your will is that not one would perish. And we thank you for hearing these prayers. We thank you for expediting these prayers just just in case your will is being done by this uh, attack against uh, um, this, 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 this provocation that is occurring to start World War III. We praise you for the provocation, we, if, if that is your will. We praise you, Father God, for the judgments, your righteous judgments. We will rise, uh, uh, Psalm 116, verse 15, I think it might be, but I'm not sure. We will rise at midnight to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Father, all we ask is for myriads and an, an, an innumerable company of angels, warrior angels and angels of deep compassion and light to be assigned to anyone who would be a casualty of this event and be brought before the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in a split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sins, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have already planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. From the Passion Translation, Song of Songs, 213b through 215. Dwell upon your holy hill of 
And the scripture was actually Psalm 119, 62. As I uh, squint my aged eyes, 
<laughs> uh, to look at my little uh, card here. At, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you, Father, because of your righteous judgments. Why would we? Why would we do that? Because Psalm one sixteen fifteen says, "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints." So there's the reason why we would be praising God that some of the saints would go home. Also, as Isaiah fifty seven one, another reason to praise God that some of the saints would go home would be that the righteous perishes and no one takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. We see them blowing up in an explosion. They're standing beside Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. And then, of course, Isaiah 26, 9. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Praise God. All right, and I, for some reason, I feel um, led, <clears throat> praise you, Jesus, to take this stack of thickly laminated five mil cards that I hand wrote, and uh, you know, I, I don't know why I do that. I just love the scriptures so very much. So I'm going to go through, and I'm going to share the scriptures. Now, I've already read to you Isaiah 26, 9. Psalm 119.62, at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgment. Praise God. Isaiah 57.1, this is what I, I jokingly tongue-in-cheek say to, um, to, uh, to believers when they're like, I can't stand it anymore. I don't want to be here on the earth anymore. I can't take it. And I say, well, maybe the Lord will Isaiah 57 you. It's almost like Heinz 57, only different, you know. And that is if you like Heinz 57. But anyway. <clears throat> And then Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, which, of course, is a paradox to those who do not understand the spiritual meaning of the scripture. Praise God. Now, of course, there's Psalms 91. In Psalm 91, I wrote the whole thing down on a card, and I probably at one point intended to memorize the entire thing, and I haven't. I don't know. Maybe I will someday. I don't know. Praise God. But I'm going to share some more of these scriptures that I have on these laminated cards. They would be some of my favorite verses. But the problem is that I have so many favorite verses that I don't think I could find enough time between now and our departure to be able to put them all on laminated 3x5 cards. But I got quite a stack here, so let's go through some of them, shall we? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. James 4:17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Wow. How many of us should feel convicted on that? How many times have you gone shopping for groceries and walked past somebody in a wheelchair and failed to offer to pray for them? and lay hands on them, that they would be healed. Not being discouraged because they didn't jump out of their wheel, wheelchair and say, I'm healed, and run around the grocery store, knowing that most divine healings happen sometimes months and sometimes even years later. I'm living proof of that. When I had... Uh, now, I know that the whole CV thing, <clears throat> you know, one of the symptoms is a, what they call anosmia, which basically means you lose taste and smell. Well, I had lost mine for, um, wow, well, six months uh, on account of using uh, Zycam nasal spray. 
um, at the, and then there were like class action lawsuits against them. And to my, I'm, I'm blown away that Zycam is even allowed to stay in business, but they are part of big pharma. So anyway, no, I guess no surprise there, but, um, my sister, when I was at Christmas, I, I went up, uh, you know, it was about the sixth month of having no taste or smell, which is a pretty awful thing to lose, especially when cooking is a hobby. <clears throat> and, um, I went up at Christmas and of course there, you know, and I, that was back when I was in, you know, kind of in my once saved, always saved seeped in sin days. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, my sister, I told my sister, you know, of course, what was going on. And, and there's this, you know, amazing layout of food of all kinds and desserts and incredible things, just incredible food. And I couldn't taste anything. I couldn't smell anything. It was Christmas time. And of course, that was a major bummer. That was a bummer on a level that you really can't quantify. And I, anyway, so my sister, a you know, I don't know if it was be. I don't think it was because of her scriptural understanding. I think it was simply because that's how she was led in the spirit at the moment of time. But she said, Johnny, come here. She said, I'm going to pray for you. And she did something rather amazing, which I look back on and was 100% scriptural in so many ways that I would say 99% of the Christians out there would not recognize it. But it was beyond scriptural has absolutely nailed it because we want to when we are praying for other people we want to make a fuss the father may be glorified in the son john 14 12 13 and 14 that the father may be glorified in the son see if our father is glorified when we are praying and when we are praying publicly or laying our hands on somebody who's about to give us a jab or whatever the case is and we are overt about it loud fervent in the mighty name of the lord jesus i come against this and i purify that which is in this needle in jesus name that it shall have no negative effects on me and be utterly purified and rendered into saline in jesus name the louder and more obnoxious you are the more people that hear you believe it or not the more inclined the father is to answer that prayer immediately that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I've taught this many, many times. Anyway, my sister pulled, I don't, like I said, I don't know what drove her to do it other than probably the Holy Spirit, and she pulls a chair out in front of something to the effect of about 35 people, many of whom I did not know, sets it right in the middle of the house, which was in the midst of about three relatively large rooms where the food was set about, and said, pretty much made an announcement and said, hey, everybody, I'm going to pray for my brother. He, he, he doesn't have a sense of smell or taste. And she said, here, come, come over here, Johnny, sit right here. You know, and I'm wearing my like, you know, long leather jacket looking like, you know, I thought I was Mr. Cool and everything and all that. And uh, I'm like, you know, oh, this is pretty embarrassing. And I went over and I sat on the chair that she pulled out. And she laid hands on me, and in front of everybody in the entire house, some 30-odd people, she prayed. She said, in the name of Jesus, I command this, you know, you know, that your sense of smell will be returned and that you will be made whole in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, she said, Johnny, do you feel it? You know, of course, there's always that desire to have an instant gratification. So she said, is there any change? And I said, no. I was honest. I wouldn't want to lie. And um, I said, no. And she said, that's all right. It'll come. And that was that. And everybody went back to eating all the food that I couldn't smell or taste. And I went back home. Long story short, it wasn't until about four months later 
inside the uh, shower. I was taking a shower. You know, I got, I don't know, I, 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 I'm sure I probably went through pity parties periodically because that's just part of my nature. I even have that stuff, you know, today. I still deal with that today. And um, uh, I was in the shower, you know, and uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, things that smell nice, right? So, uh, you know, not so surprisingly, uh, the soft soap or whatever that I was using uh, was quite fragrant, but of course I could not smell anything. And I was uh, taking my shower and all of a sudden I smelled this burst of like strawberry and flowers and I flipped out. I was like, oh my gosh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Because there are, I don't know how many millions, I don't know if it was millions of hundred or hundreds of thousands that the class action sued against the Zycam Corporation because they never received their taste or smell back at all. It was a permanent loss. And I would think that after about six months of that, I was certainly going to be a permanent loss as well, with the exception of the fact that my sister prayed for me and did so in front of everybody, because that means I become a testimony and it gives God glory. Praise God. And guess what? How many people are listening to this show right now? How many people hear it in a podcast six months from now? How many people hear the testimony and does it glorify our Father? Yes, it does. It's that what I would call the Holy Spirit butterfly effect. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. So let's see. Uh, Matthew 10:37. He who loves... That's so funny. I can't believe it. I actually have this queued up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I surely do. It's, this one is actually sitting right here in front of me in, in the uh, prayer vigil show notes. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. By the way, a lot of people are having this happen to them right now. And so my recommendations have been you better temper what you say to your fellow sons and daughters and aunts and uncles. Because we're coming to a season whereby because of what's going on out there, we'll just leave it at that, that they will, there will be hotlines. At some point, you can believe with all of your heart that there will be hotlines, 1-800 numbers, because they have been preaching to people, you know, I don't, that's the wrong term, they have been driving into the heads of people through their propaganda and narratives and signs in airports and signs on the side of the highways. Uh, You know, if you see something, say something. Uh, they're doing that in Babylon the Great. Now I can't say they're doing that in France and Belgium and Spain and you know and uh, you know Mozambique. I don't know, but I can tell you that here in Babylon the Great, there's a very high level of likelihood that you have seen a sign somewhere that says, "If you see something, say something." Now, if you add an eight 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 number to that, which is impossible to forget, and you make the infraction something whereby your relative or somebody close to you sees you as a danger to yourself or a danger to others, their proclivity to call the 888 number is very, very high. See something, say something. And that will fulfill this prophecy on a global level. Well, you know, again, on probably very close to a global level, depending on the country. Verse 37, Jesus goes on to say, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa. How many mothers out there love their kids so much? I've, you know, 11 years of doing ministry work and talking and having intimate conversations with, with moms. I am reasonably sure that the vast majority of them love their children far more than they love Jesus. And if it came down to their children dying, they would do anything to stop it from happening, even though it may be an ungodly thing, which would basically disqualify them from being compliant with this verse. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Think about that. If you take your cross and you follow after Jesus, what are you doing? You're allowing people to throw rocks at you. You're allowing your enemies to attack you. You're allowing any you're, – you're Jesus. If you can show me where in the scripture when Jesus was going to Golgotha trying his best to carry that cross after he was essentially crippled by the beatings that he took, if you can show me anywhere in the scripture that Jesus did anything but hold his head down and ask Father, our Father to forgive them, then I cannot see one reason, not one in a quadrillion, not one in all the universes, trillions of life forms and trillions of galaxies, I cannot see one nano reason why you would be allowed to do anything other than that. And it says right here, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me, in other words, behave exactly as I did, is not worthy of me. Verse 39, he who finds his life will lose it. What's that mean? <clears throat> Think about it. Put the, put the whole verse 39 together. Matthew 10, verse 39. Let's just read it, and then, then, then let's examine it. Matthew 10, verse 39 says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now let's examine this from an eternal and from a earthly realm. From both, from, you know, let's look at it. Let's, let's examine it. Let's meditate upon it. Okay, he who finds his life will lose it. Now, what would you have to do to find your life? And to the contrary, it says he who loses his life for my sake would find it. So then, when you put them together, the only conclusion that can be arrived at as far as the meaning of this scripture would be that if you go be – in other words, if you do all these things that you should not do that are not compliant with the love and compassion and the willingness to lay your life down to save one more soul for Jesus – you would find your life, you, you would save your life, you would have your beanie weenies and your guns and everything else to protect yourself because you saved your life. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So those who are willing to lose their life, that is, lay down their life, to, to not respond, to not take the life of another, to, not, you know, to, to do what is spoken of in Romans 12 and all throughout the scripture. All these scriptures have harmony synergy and mean the same things. They're all the part of the same message spoken in a different way. But they all come to the same holy, loving, compassionate, and supernaturally awesome conclusion that our lives here on the earth are absolutely, utterly meaningless. Unless the very heartbeat that keeps the blood pumping in our 
flesh bodies, does so for the sake of saving one more soul, being compliant with the word that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Praise God. All right, hallelujah. Next one up, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, we read this all the time, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. Well, I must be perfectly honest, and well, I would always be anyway, but I, I'm, let's just say forthcoming. How about that? I can't think of a lot that when I, when, I, when I look at this verse. I mean, when I look around the things and the stuff that we know collectively um, of what's going on around the world, it, you know, the only thing I can think of is manifestations of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, divine healings. Those are wonderful and glorious. People being saved by the blood of Jesus. Uh, people being saved by the efforts of missionaries is wonderful and, and blessed. Uh, that would be glorious. Um, and, of course, the things of the earth that we were admonished in Romans chapter 1 uh, as a, an example of that which gives no one an, a, an excuse for not seeking God. That's what Romans chapter 1 is about, essentially, is to, is to let us know that just by virtue of the glory that we see around us, the grass, the trees, the flowers, the mountains, the, the brooks, the streams, the sky, the beauty that God has created on this earth, we have no excuse. Praise God. And that is the one thing. And that's, you know what? Maybe I need to get out of the house a little bit more and go enjoy some of that. Maybe go running through a nice, uh, you know, I don't know. Florida doesn't really have a lot of things that you can, unless, unless it's the beach. But, I mean, if you go running through any other place, you're either going to go bumping up against a wild boar and have to run for your life, or you're going to get, you know, stung or bitten by some kind of a creepy, crawly creature. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for being on a sandbar with a whole bunch of weeds holding it into the, into the ground. Anyway, thank you, Jesus. And for those, of, those who want to come and see the beach, well, that's fine. But Rehoboth and Beach in Delaware is also very beautiful as well. All right, so um, Daniel 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So the angels tell, tell Daniel, Michael had to come and help him out. Had to come and help a fellow angel out. Because he was getting his hiney cheeks kicked by the prince of Persia, which is a principality. Isn't it fascinating how the devil steals everything and contorts it and makes it his? As above, so below. Oh, it's such a satanic thing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The devil has truly does not have any original ideas. To the pure, all things are pure, Titus 1.15. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then we come to the, 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 the revelation, but of course it's all over the scripture, that everything that we have, not everything, but an awful, awful lot of that which we are experiencing here on earth is a unglorified representation, really, of that which we will experience in heaven. 
So our court systems, how they operate, lifting up petitions before the judge, raising motions before the judge, all these things that we have around us, you know, how um, we don't embarrass somebody. You know, you wouldn't think about this as being a godly thing, but it is indeed an example of godliness. But it's not intended to be. It's just that for those of us who can recognize it, it's obvious. But in the workplace in the United States of Babylon the Great, in the workplace, it's forbidden to humiliate somebody out on the floor. So if somebody came from the human resources department and they walked up to somebody's cubicle and they said, you are the crummiest, most lousy employee that we have ever had. You, you're just not worth keeping. We, we, I don't know. I mean, why do we even let you come to work here? If somebody came up to a person's cubicle and said that in front of everybody on, you know, instead of the, the other workers, not only would there be multiple lawsuits <laughs> that, were, that you would be eligible to levy against the organization, but even more than that. So what happens? We don't disparage people ever in public. Why? Because it embarrasses them. It hurts them. It's, in some cases, it's irreparable emotional damage. But yet, what do we see people who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior doing on the Internet, on Facebook, and places like that? They're doing the exact thing, disparaging their brothers and sisters, calling them names, ignoring what they're commanded to do in the Bible, and being exactly the opposite of Jesus. But they think they're doing it. It's just like it says in John 16, verse 2. They will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time when they will kill you and think that they are doing God a service. But they do this because they have not known the Father nor me. They do not know the love and compassion of Jesus or the Father. Imagine that. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 22.11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Now, the, the best I've been able to try, you know, in my attempt to spiritually discern the meaning of these words is that this is a point-in-time statement from the throne room, essentially, where in, the, in this particular case, it is definitely contextual. So you have to understand that this is toward the very end. This is, you know, toward the very, 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 very end, prior to the establishment of the um, uh, Millennial Kingdom, and basically a proclamation to say, too late. Game over. <laughs> so he who is unjust, hey, might as well stay unjust. He who is filthy, might as well stay filthy. Too late for you. And he who is righteous, stay righteous. He who is holy, stay holy. Because guess what? Here comes Jesus. Hallelujah. Proverbs 19, verse 3. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. And you know what? This is applicable to our walk, not just, you know, this is just about, you know, a quasi baby Christian, um, you know, like trying to learn to become 
more of a Christian and going to church more and more, and then suddenly their mother dies. And then they get mad, and they're like, what kind of a god are you? Well, that's really the most obvious. That's your Occam's razor interpretation of Proverbs 19, verse 3. When a man's folly brings his ways to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. And you might say, well, why is it that man's folly? Well, because they obviously never had the faith to understand anything having to do with Jesus and our Father and how things work in the kingdom. So their knee-jerk reaction in the flesh is to blame God. But let's consider those of us who are a little further along in our walk, a little more advanced in our walk, and we're really striving to keep our balance on that narrow path. What if you aren't where you need to be? What if you have behaviors that allow the devil to get a foothold? When Jesus said, he has nothing in me, what he was saying was that Satan can't attack him, Satan can't accuse him, Satan can't touch him, because he has nothing in me. Jesus had no sin. So, we have to always wonder to ourselves, and I raise my hand, uh, I think a lot higher than probably most of the listeners, quite frankly. Um, the, you, you have to wonder to yourself, and I think it's only you – know, there are exceptions to every rule. The Bible is incredibly deep, okay? It's incredibly deep. It's multiple layers, lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little. It is incredibly deep. Now, that being said – it is reasonable in our effort to examine ourselves, 1 Corinthians 11:28, to judge ourselves. It is reasonable to ask ourselves, did I or am I or have I behaved, said something, done something, or are doing something regularly that is allowing the devil to get a foothold on me? And an incredible example of this is when I tell people this all the time. They will, I, I especially will see this frequently with, with mothers and their sons or their daughters. And they will write me and tell me about it. And they will be like, oh, no, my, my son, you know, Frankie is, is, is falling away again. And I just, I've been praying for him and praying for him. Oh, no. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You have just canceled out all of your prayer power. You you went before the Father out of faith. You asked the Father to save Frankie's soul. You asked the Father if he would forgive Frankie, and you said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, that you will save Frankie's soul and that he will come to you and throw himself and become anointed and in your presence and saved and make the rapture and all those wonderful things. And you did it out of faith. So when you, when you look at the scripture, for example, where Jesus says in Matthew I'm sorry, Mark 11:23, one of my favorites. Um, uh, have faith in God. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive it and you will have it. 
It's not that you stop praying. You continue to pray for Frankie, but the last thing you ever want to do is moan and cry and, and, oh, no, Frankie just went and did this. Frankie just went and did that. What you have done is you have taken on the role of Satan. You, you are now accusing your offspring, the one that you were praying for out of faith, you have just now accused them of of what they're guilty of, which is exactly what Satan is doing in front of the Father to cancel out your prayers in the first place. So now Satan is pointing down at you, Mom, and saying, look, she doesn't even believe in her own prayers. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. First Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, received up in the glory. I wondered to myself, and by the way, that's, this is your best friend scripture. If you get a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses stopping by, <laughs> and they, you know, one of their aberrant beliefs, hey, listen, don't make the mistake of judging them, and don't make the mistake of thinking that they're all going to hell because they're not. Okay, if every if God sent people to hell because they didn't understand something or part of their understanding of the Bible was wrong, then guess what? We're all going bye-bye. Say hello to fire. Get yourself a fire suit right now. Now then, that being said, that's applicable to every faith. I don't care how their upper echelon or some of the creepy weirdness that they teach. There are anointed people that love Jesus with all their heart in every single faith, all of them. Now, that being said, one of the things that the Jehovah's Witnesses, I believe, you know, is this whole idea about, you know, Lucifer and Jesus ultimately being like brothers or whatever. But Jesus was begotten. So they got the part right about the fact that Jesus, the Father, and Lucifer were together for the creation of the universe and the architecting of all of the things that we – that all of the trillions of life forms and the multiple universes and the multiple dimensions and the trillions of galaxies are subject to. Lucifer was there. He was at the, top, the table. Okay, uh, so I can see where someone could get confused and dork it up, but you've got to understand the difference between begotten and created. And let me tell you, that's a big deal to the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. There are testimonies of highly credible people that have been in the throne room of God and literally watched Jesus walk inside the Father and become one energy of light. Begotten. Big difference. So if they come knocking on your door, you can make yourself a little card with 1 Timothy 3.16. And you might want to put on the back of the card the actual Greek word for God so that they will see the word as theos and understand that it was talking about Jesus. And it referred to him as theos in the Greek, which is what? God. Okay, so it's not a mistranslation. Praise God. And, of course, we know John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. And Jesus also said to many people, he said, hey, if you saw me, you saw the Father. Okay? And I'm looking pretty good, aren't I? I'm just I'm putting a little levity in there. Praise Jesus. All right. Next one up. Romans 12.17. Repay no one. Oh, this is beautiful. Now, how somebody can contort this into giving you some sort of a Second Amendment right to do something bad in the name of Jesus? 
Okay. No, 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 no. No. The early churches, the Bogomils, the the during the uh, the, the the Christians, the super early, ultra early Christians during the Nero um, um, Emperor Nero's Christian persecution, they walked. Entire families, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them together with their children, walked into the center of the amphitheaters to be slaughtered together, and they were singing songs. It drove Nero nuts. Nero, it was uh, rumored in some of the writings that Nero put his hands over his ears and said, I almost imagined the, the, the Grinch, you know, and uh, how the Grinch, the original Grinch, you know, how the Grinch stole Christmas, where he was standing up on the side of the mountain, and, he, and, he's, and, and the Who's down in Whoville were all singing. And the Grinch up on the side of the mountain is like, why must they sing? Why must they sing, sing, sing? You know, and, and really, that's exactly what happened with Nero. Nero flipped out. He couldn't take it. It was driving him absolutely crazy. And they were singing praise to God as they and their children were about to be burned to death. That is a Christian. Romans twelve seventeen repay no one evil for evil, except when they're trying to hurt your kids. I'm sorry, did I inject something in the scripture here? I think I might have accidentally done that. I, shame on me. Let's try that again. Romans twelve seventeen repay no one evil for evil, except when you're exercising your Second Amendment rights. Now, I did it again. I'll darn it. I'm just such an American. I, 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 oh, I'm disgusted with myself. Let me see if I can get this right this time. Let's try it a third time. Romans twelve seventeen. Repay no one evil for evil. Period. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and feel guilty. And sad that he did it. In fact, just so you know and you are aware, in practice, this is absolutely historical fact that is recorded in the history books. That during the reign of Pope Innocent III, he sent on horseback mercenaries to slaughter the heretic Christians, which in fact were the proper Christians that were the offshoots of the original churches when the apostles were walking on the earth, which included the Bogomils and the Polisians and, you know, several other groups. And when, so that you have to imagine very large numbers of men on horseback, um, you know, armed to the hilt on a mission being paid as mercenaries to go and ferret out all these peace loving, kind, praying, singing Christians that I am so envious of in a godly way, I wish I could just once be a part of a community that was like the Bogomils when they were originally established. How amazing would, a, would that have been to even experience for a week or a day. But when those horsemen came into those villages, they slaughtered them, men, women, and children, and they sang songs as they were dying together. Because they were going to see Jesus. And their faith, because they were not, they weren't going like, oh no, here they come, run for your lives. It's oh. not what they were doing. They came out peacefully from their homes. 
They held hands and they said, Glory, Jesus, hallelujah. Hey, punk, come over here. I'm going to tie your kid to the stake and burn him to death. Hallelujah, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Pass the gasoline. Hallelujah. Fires are going up and they're all dying. Praise you, Jesus, hallelujah. And guess what? Those mercenaries, when they saw the faith of those dying people, singing praises to God as they were burning to death, were so blown away that they jumped back on their horses. They gave their lives to Jesus together. They prayed for forgiveness, and they galloped into Asia. Not Asia Minor now. They went right deep into Asia and became the first missionaries to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ deep inside of what what is, uh, as of today, Mongolia, Nepal, China, and places like that that have never been touched. Now, the Catholics think they were the first ones to go there, but the Catholics are wrong about that. It was originally the mercenaries that were sent to slaughter the heretic Christians under Pope Innocent the third. This is in the history books for those who have done proper study, which is not a lot. Praise God. All right. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 3. Oh, Lord, you have. I love this. This is just like vanilla ice cream to a hurting soul. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. All of Psalm 139 is just so anointed. It's also where 139 verse 16 talks about our Heavenly Father having written all of the works that he and intended for us to walk in, all the behaviors, all the things that he wanted us to do, where he wrote, the, he wrote them into our books, our heavenly books, that we should fulfill them, which is a sister verse of Ephesians uh, 2.10, uh, uh, I think it is. <clears throat> Praise God. It's hard to memorize the whole Bible. There's 31,102 verses in it, so... I still got a few more to go. Just kidding. All right. Next one, Isaiah 41.10. We, a lot of us know this one. And boy, I pray in Jesus' name that um, there's several in Isaiah 40 that are very powerful, uh, many of which are about restoring our, our strength. Um, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Would you ever think that when you were looking at that scripture – those who wait upon the Lord, first off, if you're waiting upon the Lord, it's like waiting on a table. It's not watching out the window waiting for the rapture, doing nothing. That doesn't fulfill the parable of the talents and rewards, so it pretty much disqualifies you if that's what you're doing. We need to be about the Lord's business. But if you consider what the scripture is saying there. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does that mean? Why would your strength need to be renewed? What for? Why? Because you were out of strength. 
You're laying on the ground going, I can't take it. I can't take another day of this. I don't have enough strength to put up with all this satanic, Joe Biden, creepy, weird, poking the bear, World War III, COVID-19 nonsense. I'm out of the strength. If I had a dime for every time I beseech the Father to renew my strength, my goodness. Hello, St. Martin. Next scripture, 1 John 4, 17. Hallelujah. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Romans, that's amazing. So we, oh, and by the way, when it, uh, this, this is uh, also, a, so one of the words are in duo, and it's to put on Jesus like a garment. So it's not just imitating Jesus' behavior. It's literally becoming him, because we are him, essentially, on the earth. Romans thirteen fourteen, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word in duo, like a garment, and make no provision for the flesh. That's Strong's NT seventeen forty six, sinking into a garment. Praise God, amazing. John nine four, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Hey. I wonder if that's when Klaus Schwab pulls the big button, you know, the big red lever, and all the uh, false flag cyber attack bots out there take down the power grid across the world. Hmm. We may be seeing the manifestation of this particularly this particular prophetic word of Jesus that the night is coming when no one can work. Remember, I don't know whether it was the last show I did or whatever, but I was explaining to people how perfect, praise Jesus, it was. You know, I mean, analyze it. If everybody was working inside of a building and the buildings had backup generators, they would be able to continue to make widgets and continue to do things. But because everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody is now working remotely and they're dependent upon Zoom meetings, uh, internet connectivity, they're working out of their houses, and then you cause the power grids to go down worldwide. It kind of lines up pretty interestingly to John 9.4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because the night is coming when no one can work. Because of Klaus Schwab. Well, I added that in there. It doesn't say that. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. That's pretty high up. So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I will admit that this particular scripture kind of bums me out a little bit because I really want to understand my father. Don't you don't you want to don't you strive, don't you hunger and thirst, don't you pant like a deer to understand why we're here, what this is all about? Did it, was it really about some chick chomping on an apple, you know? You know, don't you want to understand how God thinks, how he feels? I do. I hope I do get a bag of Andy's candies at the marriage supper. I hope I make it to the marriage supper. Hope Jesus tosses me some Andy's candies. Says, hey, Johnny, you got a few things right. Here's some Andy's candies. And he whips it across the room and it hits me right in the head. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Ow. You know, 
All right. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. And, of course, uh, let's see here, John fifteen sixteen. I use this in the uh, spiritual warfare prayer uh, chest. <laughs> okay. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, which, by the way, means ordained, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So for those of you who have joined us on the prayer vigil while we are praying for the lost, the lost people of different regions of the earth, um, the land, Ephesians 3.20, I stand in the gap, uh, you know, on behalf of the land that God would not destroy it, but, you know. Well, right here, that's that's why I, I, I weave this into the scripture, you know, because we know that God chose us. We know that God ordained us. And we know that he said that for the purpose of that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So it's one thing to bear fruit, but it's a whole different thing for your fruit to remain. Now, what is the difference? Bearing fruit is when you go to somebody and you tell them about Jesus and they go like, oh, wow, can I come with you to church? And then you bring them to church and they go up to the altar call and all this kind of stuff. And they, and they have a moment of tears and everything. And then they go back home and they continue in their adulterous relationships. They continue as they always have because nobody – it takes, a, it, it takes a, um, a village to raise a child. And quite, frank, quite frankly, the village is ill-equipped nowadays. So guess what? The fruit does not remain. That's why I always pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, when you send your angels down into the presence of these people, the people that are lost, Father, in Jesus' name, anoint them. Pour out your spirit upon them. Pour out the living water. Pour out the crystal river. Fertilize the soil of their hearts that the fruit will remain. Praise God. I love this one. This one's absolutely amazing. First Kings twenty two nineteen. Then Micaiah says he Micaiah actually saw some people say his name is pronounced differently, but I think it's Micaiah, so I'm sticking with it. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the words of the Lord. I saw so he's telling him, he's saying, I saw this. I saw the Lord sitting in his, on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. All the hosts of heaven. Now, what, are the, what were those hosts? What do you think they were? Angels? Hmm? No. These are minor gods. That's what they are. Now, the scripture refers to them as spirits, but when we translate, when we move in, when we leave, when our spirit leaves this clay body, unfortunate prison, the change that happens as we move into this, become our actual selves, which is a light being in a spirit body, is so glorious and so amazing that the people that have actually experienced it are without words to describe to those of us who do not understand. They just can't, they can't put it in the words. They're like, because, you know, nor, you know, from the flesh perspective, you might think, well, golly, I'm a spirit. I'm like Casper the Friendly Ghost. What kind of good is that? I, you know, I like being able to, you know, taste macaroni and cheese, you know, if I don't have anosmia from CPR or Zycam. But you know what? I like the senses. I like lighting candles. I like 
feeling good. I like that stuff. I want more of it. Well, the reality is that in our spirit beings, when we are, when we are translated into light beings, what we feel today is it is it 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 it, it doesn't it, it's it doesn't touch it, their words can't describe you're talking about like let's say that you can perceive 22 million different colors well you're going to have to multiply that times 10,000 to be able to understand how vivid your senses are when you get out of the trap of this body and you become a minor god in a light in, in, in a spirit body, a spirit being. Okay, that spirit body—it's a spirit body. Now, whether or not that's the best choice of words or whatever, I just—it's—they're it, minor gods. Minor gods. Our father is Yahvael, God of gods, little g gods. Even Jesus in John 10:34 said, "Have I not said ye are gods?" Little g gods. He was talking to the Pharisees, or some of them, some other people probably too. But again, so Micaiah says, "And uh, all the hosts of heaven standing by." So that's a bunch on on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said to all these hosts of heaven. Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? And some spoke in this manner, and some spoke in that manner. Then a spirit, minor God, came forward and said, and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, In what way? And the spirit minor God said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And our heavenly father said to him, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. And then Micaiah reminds the naughty people that he's admonishing. He says, therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets of yours. The Lord has declared disaster over you. This is kind of like uh, the seducing. This is exactly like the seducing spirits in the Stanley Frontrum prophecy, which is why we have so many people out there saying things that are wrong and non-scriptural. But what's amazing about this scripture is it proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that those out there who have this notion in their head that our Heavenly Father micromanages every little thing, that every hop of a bunny rabbit across the field our father mandated or, 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 or predicted or caused it to happen. You know, we have this notion in our head that there, there are no kingdom dynamics. But if that were true, then why would our Heavenly Father have chosen Solomon, you know, to, to do all the wonderful and incredible things that he did? Why wouldn't he choose somebody else? Because Solomon ultimately apostatized. So... When you see this dynamic in 1 Kings 22.19, it, 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 it completely clarifies a, a simple fact, which is our Father doesn't want to micromanage everything. If you were God, why in the world would you design the universes and trillions of life forms so they all walked around like robots going, beedy, beedy, beep, beedy, beedy, beep, I am awaiting my next order. I am awaiting my next order. Heavenly Father, tell me whether I should take a step to the left or the right. That's ridiculous. That would, 
nobody, no one would want That would be horrible. There's no way our Heavenly Father would create the creation. He knows the beginning from the end, but there's stuff he doesn't know. There's our own free will. And it has to be because, it has to be on account of our own free will that we come to him. He doesn't force us. And similarly, believe it or not, when we are in heaven, it is still that case. Now, when we are in heaven, you can believe that we are probably going to be so, if we're in love with our Father as we ought to be now, can you imagine what it would be like if when you're in heaven in glory? How much more so? How much more so would you desire to be in his presence? How much more so when you, when you are actually experiencing what the scripture says when it says, uh, you know, that... Um, no, 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 eye has seen nor ear have, has heard, uh, you know, the things that God has saved up for those that love him. Well, what that means is that the, that the, that the testimonies of the people that have been taken to heaven, as glorious as they are, are, are the tip of the iceberg, because no one has seen or heard what God has saved up. What that means is they, the ones that were in heaven only got to see a little bit of it, Right? When Odin Hetrick was in heaven, and he went there over 80 times, he always came back and he double-checked everything in the scripture, and he always found it, and he was a very smart guy. Uh, but w- when he came back, it, it, the Lord showed him in one of his trips to heaven about what's known as covenant companions. See, we think that we have, we are sexless, that we have no enjoyment, in that regard, there's no sensuality in heaven. There's none of that. That's what we think. We walk around going, beep, 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 well, I'm waiting for my next order. Let's go roll and rain and command a squirrel to run up a tree. It's not like that. In fact, Odin Hedrick, when he was asked to describe what it was like to be with a covenant companion. By the way, that is a reward. When Jesus says, and I believe it's Revelation 22, 19, he says, Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to his work. Work. So for those Christians out there that didn't do any work, guess what? They don't get any rewards. Sorry. Missed out. Talents and rewards. Talents and rewards. But it's all got to be out of love, or it profits you nothing, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul warns, it's everything you do. Your body could be burned. You could give everything that you have. And if you don't do it out of love, it profits you nothing. If you do it because you want a covenant companion, guess what? You ain't getting diddly. It's all got to come out of love. So where do your prayers have to be focused? Physician, heal thyself. Hallelujah. So why does the scripture say, physician, heal thyself? Why did Jesus say that? Because if, you're, if you are the physician of, an, of another person who is a candidate to make it into heaven, and you're, you're sick yourself, and you don't understand things, and you're doing all kinds of things that, are, that isn't coming from love because you think you're going to get some kind of a pat on the back, then you're doing nothing productive and you will receive no rewards at all. None. Only those things that we do out of love. So where, how does the physician heal thyself? We spend time on our knees praying and beseeching God in tears for him to fill us with his love so that we fall in love with him first and then make Jesus ultimately, who is God, our first love. 
He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Praise God. All right. So anyway, what do we learn from 1 Kings 22.19? Many, 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 many things. But one thing is that God isn't micromanaging, and he doesn't in heaven either. As a matter of fact, one particular, one account, for example, oh, and by the way, to finish the Odin Hedrick story about the covenant companions, some of us, as a reward, will receive a covenant companion where Jesus knows in our heart, because the husband and wife thing is gone. Okay, they might live nearby you. You might be able to go visit them, but there ain't none of that husband and wife stuff. And there, there aren't, you know, we, we, we are essentially, you know, we're not, we won't be having any of the um, accoutrements and body parts that are necessary to do things like happens on earth, okay, between a man and a woman. However, when Odin Hetrick was asked what it was like to be, to have, um, relations with your covenant companion and he explained that jesus knows everything that you love so so if you if like say you're into like brass and wood i like brass and wood i think the old english bars the old english taverns are just absolutely gorgeous with their dark burgundy um uh you know um uh, materials and the brass that shines like gold and the dark walnut colored woods i think that is just absolutely gorgeous well, it turns out that your your God knows these things. Jesus knows these things about you, and and so your mansion will you know providing that you're going to receive some rewards because you were obedient. Then you, your mansion will be created in such a manner that it aligns to the things that you appreciate. Hey, if you like all white furniture, guess what? You can have all white furniture. If you like a view of a big, gigantic, beautiful lake and giant jetting mountains like the you know, Bavarian Alps, then, then then you'll have that. But Jesus also knows what you like as far as a companion is concerned. When Odin was asked what it was like to have a relation with his covenant companion, his only answer that he could come up was come up with was it makes that which happens between a man and a woman on earth seem like a bad nightmare. Now, knowing knowing that um, through the movies, our Heavenly Father reveals mysteries of the universe, mysteries of eternity, mysteries of how things work uh, that are far beyond that which is within the realm of the earth, mysteries of – it's all there. And – when you realize that God's in control, you get past that notion where, oh, this is Satan, uh, you know, this is lesser magic, and Satan has a requirement to tell us all the things that he's going to do, all the evil things that he's going to do, and that's why there's a pan- pandemic movie. That's why V for Vendetta was about a gigantic pandemic to create an Orwellian society, and the movie was made in 2005, but it was uh, the scene was set in 2020. That was Satan. Really? I thought God was in control of Satan. Well, he is. Ah, mystery revealed. So our Heavenly Father ultimately ordains the creation of movies and such to show us things if we can receive it. Now, I don't know if this came from the Holy Spirit. I have no idea. Maybe it was something I contrived in my overly active 
crazy, you know, whatever, psyche kind of thing. I don't know. But what immediately popped into my mind, or maybe more than my mind, I don't know, when Odin said that, I was it was immediately brought to my recollection the movie that was entitled Cocoon, with all the old people that were at the old folks' home. And in that movie, um, the, the old people were jumping over the fence and going to a nearby house, and they were kind of sneaking into this uh, this uh, swimming pool. And they were swimming in the swimming pool, even though at the bottom of the swimming pool there were these, I don't know, cocoon-looking things. But they just they were having such a good time swimming and getting away from the old folks' home, they just went there and swam anyway. Well, anyway... Without going through the entire story of the movie Cocoon and ruining it for you, I will, I will share with you what was brought to my mind when Odin said, well, the relationship between you and your covenant companion makes that which happens between a man and a woman on earth seem like a bad dream. Immediately came to my mind a scene in the movie Cocoon where this woman who is supposedly an alien – well, she was in the movie. This woman was uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the this pool with Steve Gutenberg. He was the actor that was playing the part of this this young man that was helping out these old people, et cetera. And her her name was Kitty, and I forget what his name was in the movie, but Gutenberg and Kitty, this pretty girl, were inside the pool. And Gutenberg, I don't know, they were talking about this, that, and the other thing, and she said. She said to him, oh, we call that sharing. That's what she said. She said, we call that, you know, in reference to, you know, a man and a woman getting together. We call that sharing. He, she said to him, would you like to experience sharing? And, of course, he said, Yes. And she stood across the pool quite a distance from him and just, I don't know, I don't know, raised her hands or something, moved back or whatever. And all of a sudden, this, 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 this energy of light shot out of her body and started to swirl around the room. And it came and it hit Gutenberg right in the chest. And he just flew backwards and he went, ah! Now, before you call me completely nuts and start, <clears throat> you know, calling the 888-888 number, <laughs> okay, um, be advised that um, I have talked to uh, someone who was taken to heaven, and Jesus asked her to walk inside of him. And her, the way she described the feeling was, take the feeling that you feel on earth and multiply it times 10,000. Which is fascinating because it echoes exactly what I saw in the Cocoon movie with Kitty and Gutenberg. Fascinating, isn't it? I wonder if that was a prophetic scene. Psalm one, uh, Psalm one nineteen one sixty four. Seven times a day I praise you, Father, because of your righteous judgments. Wow, it's a lot of praising over judgments, isn't it? 
Ooh, what an interesting coincidence. Um, hmm. Oh, darn, I left out one of the most important parts. But it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love isn't puffed up. And love does not behave rudely. Hmm. Well, that pretty much rules out all the Christians on Facebook, pretty much. Not all of them, but just about. Does not seek its own. Love doesn't seek its own. And it's true, too. Don't you remember when you were having that puppy love experience as a teenager? And it's like, you know, you wanted to read the mind of your of your boyfriend or girlfriend. You wanted to know everything about them, their favorite flower, their favorite color. And you wanted to surprise them with gifts and things without them even guessing that you were going to give it to them. You used to stay on the phone all night long just listening to each other breathe because you ran out of things to say while your mom was picking up the phone on the other end. Because remember, all the phones were connected together back then with their little dial rotisserie. Get off the phone at 11 o'clock at night when you have a school day. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. And it doesn't rejoice in evil, iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It puts up with everything because you love them. It believes all things. It hopes in all things and it endures all things. Love is perfection in God's eyes. Matthew 7, 1 through 3, judge not that ye be judged. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Oh, man. It's, it's amazing how fast people forget this scripture so that they can go out and humiliate other Christians on Facebook or wherever. James 4.11, listen to this. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren, for he who speaks evil of one another speaks evil of, uh, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Who are you to judge another? Do not speak evil of one another. Wow. Hmm. That's one of the reasons why you'll never see me mentioning names of a fellow brother and sister. And boy, have I seen it all and heard it all to my chagrin. Sometimes just starting to cry as soon as the phone hung up, I'd just sit there and bawl because I couldn't believe I heard and heard experienced what I saw. And I just couldn't believe it was possible. Proverbs 17.1, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Whoa. Wow. Maybe this is the reason why when I pray and ask the Lord sometimes because I'm lonely. You know, everybody's lonely. I mean, you know, even, even Adam, God, God saw that Adam was lonely and needed to, you know, make him a companion. Felt sorry for him. I've even used that scripture <laughs> on my knees of the Lord going, Lord, you, you, you know, you, you gave Adam a, you know, a helper. What, what, can I, you know, I fulfilled the prophecy. I'm, I'm, I'm single now and doing all this preaching stuff. So maybe, you know, but then Proverbs 17:1 reminds you, be careful what you ask for, right? Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. I wonder how many married people out there that are listening to this show right now are going, Amen! 
Hallelujah. Listen to this, Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Wow. I wonder how many people were singing a song with those as part of the lyrics as they were being taken to the stakes. It's amazing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The list just the list just goes on and on. I'm flipping through the cards and it's like I could go on all night almost. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So many of them. This one I love. I love them all, but I, I really this is this is like hyper love. This one here, I really love this one. So every time you're sitting around talking with somebody, and and you know maybe not often, but when you do, this is for you. All right. Matthew 3.16. And by the way, um, there's a lot of 3.16s out there. First, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, gosh. Now, I can't even believe I, re- I forget it. Uh, first, is it First John 3.16? Which one is the one that I told you about to give to the um, to give to the um, uh, to the Jehovah's Witnesses? You know, God. Uh, came upon the earth, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and received up into glory, and that the word was Theos. I forget, was it Matthew 3.16? Which one was it? Oh, 1 Timothy 3.16. There we go. I can't remember them all. It's too many. Listen to this. This is for you when you're just sitting around the campfire or hanging out at your house and you're talking about the Lord. This is awesome. Malachi 3.16, then they that feared the Lord spoke often to, to, uh, to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. So as long as you fear hell, and you're trying to be obedient, and you're talking, to, and you're talking, up, talking up God, talking up Jesus with your friends and family and your cat and your dog and all that kind of thing. God's listening, and he's going like, oh, now that is cool. I'm going to make a note in my book of remembrance about them. And it goes on to say, "And and that thought upon his name, okay, so it expands a little bit, and it says, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serves him. Wow, that's a pretty big deal. That's a lot of cool promises, particularly with the days that we're heading into soon. Thank you, Jesus. Soon is my favorite word. Only kidding. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And, of course, I think I'll leave this one as the last one for tonight. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight to 32 this is a classic case where context destroys your understanding of the scripture. So again, the, the theological teaching that you got to look at the context, look at the context, look at the context, look, you're taking it out of context. Well, guess what? You'll never, ever get the Bible properly if you're dwelling on the context. And the perfect example, I use this all the time, and I love this scripture, and I love to teach it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, 31, and 32. Why did I leave out the other scriptures, or the, or the other verses that are woven in between? Because they're distracting. They're irrelevant. 
They're only relevant to the storyline of where Paul was and what he was doing and everything. But, it, what, but they're irrelevant in regard to what Paul's actually telling them. So he says, but, but let a man examine himself, period. And then he goes on. This is the part you've got to take out, the context, because it's irrelevant. It's only relevant to the story and why he said it in the first place. But what you've got to do is you've got to learn that what he was talking about was applicable to all situations, not just eating of the bread and drinking of the cup in an unrighteous manner. So he goes on, he says, but let, let a man examine himself. And let, so let, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. All right. Now, what we got to do, and then he goes on to say, for this reason, many of you are sick, weak, and among, and, uh, and among you, and some sleep. They're dead. Now, People will say to themselves, because of the context, they will become distracted, and they will say, oh, well, that's only applicable to the people that, when they're taking communion, are like, you know, getting drunk, drunk off the sacramental wine. Wrong answer. Absolutely wrong answer. You have got to take that part out of the Scripture to, to get the deeper understanding of what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is that we need to be continuously examining ourselves, because if we don't, we may fall sick. We may be weak, and some of us are maybe even die prematurely. Because he goes on to say, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. And when we are chastened by the Lord, what happens to us? We become sick. We become weak. Sometimes we die. Because God would rather you die on a bed with a feeding tube in your belly button praying for forgiveness so you make it into heaven by the skinny or chinny-chin-chin, then let you keep on going down the eight-lane freeway directly to hell. That's a form of chastening. That's why Paul turned such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. The reason why Paul did that for those that he was, you know, doing that, you know, that were being naughty and weren't doing what he recommended they stop doing. Uh, you know, again, the reason he did that, he turned them over for the destruction of the flesh so that they would end up in a sickbed and then they would repent. Nothing will make you repent faster. Nothing will make you confess of your sins faster than bombs blowing up around you or a feeding tube in your stomach. And if that's what God has to do to bring you home, then he's going to do it. And if you don't respond to that, well, then, oopsie-daisy. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's go ahead and enter into communion. Praise God. Here we go. Disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I eagerly yearn for this supper, and that you suffer so its children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be torn. The lady did not understand reach of his plan in his love we were told 
to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gather from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the King and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, as you were open, went back up to heaven. Speak to the heavenly force. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had power to close. And I can only imagine the thunderous sound as all heaven exploded in tears. We were free from our chains. Now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord over all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we Believe in a land All of creation Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All scars will be healed As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased. Come and be home. 
generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, right here is why you oftentimes see that our Father is our Savior. And it might seem a little confusing, but Jesus was walking in the will of his Father, so Jesus was doing what the Father wanted him to do. That's why the Scripture says in Jude, in the prayer, Now to him who is able to keep me from stumbling and present me faultless before the presence of his glory, our Father's glory, with exceeding joy, and to our Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise. See? First Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1-14. Thank you. 
Father, have mercy on us. Because we sure do need it. According to your loving kindness, and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, please blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity. Cleanse us, Father, from our sin. Father, we confess of our sins before you. For our sin is always before us. And against you, Lord God, you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold. Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and sin our mothers conceived us. Behold. You desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make us to know your wisdom. Praise you. Purge us with hyssop, and then we shall be clean. Wash us and make us whiter than snow. Father, make us hear joy and gladness that the bones that you've broken, the chastening, the refiner's fire, the trials and the tribulations, that we may rejoice nevertheless. Hide your face, please, Father, from our sins and blot out all of our iniquities that they will be remembered no more, washed into a deep blue sea of your forgetfulness. Create in us, Father God, a clean heart and renew a steadfast, determined, and persevering spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us and Father, do not let us hinder us from grieving the Holy Spirit. Restore to us the joy that is ours because of your salvation. And uphold us by your awesome, generous, kind, merciful Spirit. And teach us. Father, lead us. Put us in places that we can teach transgressors your ways. And then sinners will be converted to you. But most importantly, Father, deliver us from the guilt of our past sins. That the accuser of the brethren, the demons of darkness will not hold them up before us, making us feel unworthy. God of our salvation, And then we shall sing aloud of your righteousness. For I receive from the Lord, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord 
Jesus, Joshua, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant eternal contract in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi, Lee. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Cause I know 
that the word holds power to grow. Receive it as serenity. For my offenses, you were sick for my deceit, you were poor for my prosperity, you were strong and I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer, I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me, and I know I will never be. you all. 
See you next Friday. Lord willing. Good night.